Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Hebrews 13 this morning. Go to Hebrews 13 if you would. As you turn there, let me just do a little quick kind of rundown of a, you know, rehearsal review of what we've already been talking about. We're in a series kicked off at the start of this year, a series called Fully Equipped for What's Ahead. What's so great about God is God tells us of things that are coming. God reveals both to Scripture clearly what we know in relationship to our life, the last days. Are we in the last of the last days? Oh, yeah. You got all kinds of proof and evidence that that's true based on what's going on in our world. Prim- <clears throat> primarily with Israel, by the way, and with what goes on in the nations around Israel. Israel, when the context of a fulfillment of last day Scripture, they became once again... What God clearly declared as a nation in 1967 when they declared their independence. So we knew from that time on we started to enter into the final chapter of the Bible of the last days. Now we're closer than ever based on what Scripture reveals about what's going on in our world today. None of what's happening should shock a believer. Because Jesus told us clearly all through Scripture, especially in the Gospels, Matthew 24 talks about all these things that would happen. But God wants us to be fully equipped for what's ahead. Amen? Be prepared so we're not caught unaware and we can walk in the very victory God has for us and help others as well. So let me go over already the first five, excuse me, six things we've covered in this series already. Number one, don't make church optional. Why? Because in the house of God is the only place, according to Mark 4, parable of the sower, that's where the seed is sown. And that's where you get that seed sown into your heart. How many want the harvest of the word manifest in your life? Well, if you make, if, again, if you make church optional, you can. But if you make church optional, you're not going to have the harvest for the future God wants you to have. Because you've got to have a sower, a minister of God, to sow that word into your life. And you've got to be good ground and receive it. Amen? So we've already covered all these. Number two, second thing to be fully equipped for what's ahead. <clears throat> make your relationship with God a daily priority. Not a weekly. Don't, don't just visit Him on Sunday and not talk to Him the rest of the week. And not fellowship with them the rest of the week. Purpose of why you got born again was all about relationship. I'm going I'm to give you a little quick nugget of truth. You ready? Yes. 33 years as a pastor, I've watched this all my life. It's one of the most tragic things you watch as a pastor. One of our spiritual dads, Dr. George Evans. I may remember Dr. George Evans. Great man of God. He founded Brian Bible College. He was actually an incredible man of God who changed many, many men of God who went around the world preaching the gospel, including our pastor, by the way. That's where our pastor went to Bible college. And Dr. George Evans became one of our spiritual dads. And one of his great statements to pastors, he said, pastoring, how many know it? It's like driving a bus. People get on, people get off. You, Daryl, keep driving the bus. You stay focused on doing what God told you to do and helping people walking out what God teaches. So you got to understand this about the aspect of Christianity. People are going to come. People are going to go. Doesn't mean all of you have. Most of our core church have been with us 20 plus years. But guess what? I'm going to keep driving the bus. In the midst of all that, here's what I've witnessed in 33 years. You you just learn some things, you know, just by habit of going through stuff and seeing stuff happen. But in 33 years as a pastor, I'm going to tell you this right now. If you don't make this second key, making a relationship with God a daily priority, here's what happens. You may start coming and learning about the Word of God, things you've never been taught. How many of you learned stuff here you weren't taught before that you've lived out in your life and seen work? So you start living the Bible out, what Scripture teaches. But here's a problem. If you don't make that relationship with God a priority, you know what people do? Here's what they do. They eventually drift back to the ways of the flesh because they're not walking with God. So they start applying these things. They start seeing it change their life. They're in agreement with it. They're seeing it work. But guess what happens? After a while, they start drifting back to the flesh of what their flesh wants. And now all of a sudden, the word that they clearly understood and believed is black and white. Now they don't agree with anymore. And all of a sudden, they start going back to the world. How do you know when this happens to a person? Look how they dress. 
Look how they talk. Is there something wrong with the way we dress? Now listen, I'm going to tell you right now, like Scripture is very clear about, even for women, you women are to dress modestly. That don't mean like a nun. and I doesn't know, but I'm just telling you right now, you don't need all your body parts hanging out. I guarantee you the best thing you can teach young ladies is you don't need your body parts hanging out, darling, because you're hanging a shingle out for some weird guy to come along and to start knocking on that door and try to take advantage of your life. So you got to understand there's a balance in everything, but you start seeing people going back to the world because they start talking like the world, acting like... Why did that happen, Pastor? Lack of relationship. Lack of relationship. Here's why. Because if you really do walk close with God every day, guess what He's going to do? He's going to rub off on you. And you know what God is? You ready? You know what God is? He's a holy God. He's separate, and, and it's a good thing to be a holy believer, separated from all the harmful dirt and garbage and junk that's in the world. Now, we don't come hide from the world. We're out there to change it. But the point is, I'm not out to be like it. You're in the world, but you're not to be of the world. Because all that's going to do is lead to damnation and destruction, and you don't want that. So make your relationship with God a daily priority. How do you do that? Through the Word, through the Bible. Number three, you also need to make renewing your mind a daily practice. Practice. Daily practice. Man, if you didn't get that message, you need to go hear it. Because I'll guarantee if you don't know how to daily renew your mind by practicing the word in renewing your mind, you're not going to be ready when stuff comes. I gave the example of myself or others in rodeo. I rode bulls for 16 years. I know a lot about the rodeo world and what it takes to be successful. And any aspect of anything in life, you look at anybody that they do. I'm going to tell you why Tiger Woods is as good as he is. I'm not a golfer. Just, I'm just using an example because a lot of people know these names. You want to know why he's so good? Practice. Guess what he never stops doing? He never stops going to the driving range and practicing. I'll guarantee you why Michael Jordan was so good and why he was such an incredible dominant basketball player. I'm not talking about the guy. I'm talking about what he did. You want to know why he was so good? Practice. You know what he was told as a young high school boy? You'll never make it. You know what that did? That drove him to practice even harder. Now, if that's true of the natural, how much more of the spiritual? So if we learn to practice renewing our mind daily of the word, how many know you're going to be ready when stuff comes? You're going to respond according to your spirit and not according to your old flesh. Amen? Number four, you got to make God's Word what? Final authority in your life. God's Word's got to be the final authority. Not what mom says, not what dad says. Don't misunderstand me, but I'm just telling you, if they're saying something contrary to the Bible, I go with the Bible. If the world says something contrary to the Bible, I go with the Bible. You ever notice this? The majority don't run with God. All through the Bible, the majority never have. There's nothing new under the sun, the Bible says. From Genesis to Revelation, the majority never ran with God. It was always the minority because they took God's word as final authority. Now, that is multiple aspects of how you do that. How about what God says about you? Quit saying anything about yourself other than what God says. If you make God's word final authority, you don't run yourself down and beat yourself up. You say you are who God says you are. So you and I have to understand we got to make God's word final authority. If you want to be what? Fully equipped. For what's ahead. Number five, we've got to be what? Led by the Holy Spirit. We have a helper. Come on. The moment you get born again, you got a helper called the Holy Spirit living in you. And what's he there to do? The Bible's clear in Romans chapter 8. He's there to lead us. And that's not getting you know, weird and crazy and doing stupid, crazy stuff. No, 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 no. I guarantee you the Bible's very clear though. God wants to help lead us by the Holy Spirit. In our life, decisions we make, choices we make, etc. Which, by the way, he's called the Spirit of Truth, so he'll never lead us apart from the Word. But you got to understand how to be led by the Holy Spirit. Number six, we talked about last week. You got to do what? You must walk by faith and not by sight. Absolute. If you walk by sight, you're not going to be prepared for what's ahead because you're not putting your faith in what Jesus did. And I talked about the importance of how that works as it relates to faith. Remember, all of these points are not a whole teaching about those actual points. These are just a whole group of things we need to know about to be fully equipped. Amen? Um, how, how many know faith is like a seed? It's like a mustard seed. It gets planted, but you got to do what? Got to keep watering it. And if you keep watering it, what will that faith do? It'll grow. And it'll get so big, all of a sudden, guess what you'll be able to do? You'll be able to walk in victory as a child of God because your faith will be working for you. And that pleases God. And that's why faith is pleasing to God. Amen? All right, we're moving on to number seven this week. I guarantee you next week we're going to get on to another one as well about hunger for God. But this week, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. I know you're going to love this teaching. Everybody going to shout, holler, and get so excited about this teaching. I guarantee you. Watch this. You ready? 
Uh, let's see how excited you get about our verse today. Obey those, verse 17, who rule over you. Yes. Yes. See, I knew you'd get excited. Yes. <laughs> Obey those who rule over you. This is the Bible. This is New Testament. Amen. And be submissive. Yes. For they watch out for your souls. Amen. As those who must give an account. Let them do so. Your leadership. Let them do so with joy. When the day of an accounting comes, which I will have to give for everybody God ever called to be in my church. Not everybody was called here. But the ones that were, I'm going to give an account for. Well, what if they left? I'm still going to give an account for them. Thus said the Bible. God's going to say, so the Lord's going to say, so how, how was it to try to pastor this person? Were they a difficulty? Did they honor my word? Did they receive what you had from, from you that I gave you to give to them? Or did they reject it? Because it says clearly that you're supposed to see these leaders are, are able to uh, oversee your life with joy and not with grief. For that would not be what? Uh, excuse me, that would be what? Unprofitable for you. So if you make it hard for your pastor to pastor you, guess what? That means you're not receiving what God has in your life with the Word of God. And that's not going to be profitable for you. How many want to have things working in your life and have the success that God talks about you can have? So like it or not, this is number seven, but here it is right here in the Bible. You've got to stay submitted to godly leadership. It's all through the Bible. You've got to stay submitted to godly leadership. Now, I know that immediately brings up a fear in a lot of people because that means, do I just submit to any godly leader? leader? No. No, because a lot of people who claim to be godly leaders aren't always necessarily godly leaders. And we'll find out why, and we'll find out what Scripture teaches about it. But you can't throw this verse out of the Bible. And the reason it's helping you be prepared for what's ahead is because what are these leaders doing? They're watching out for your souls. So a godly leader, New Testament pastor, has a responsibility to do two things primarily. You ready? Stay in the Word and in prayer. Stay in the Word and in prayer. That's where you want your pastor. Because if your pastor stays in the Word and in prayer, he's watching out for your soul. God's speaking to him about you. God rarely speaks to me about me when I'm in prayer and in the Word, preparing to bring things to you. God's speaking about you, about what you need to know, what, how, how I can help you, what you need to hear from God. And therefore, God's helping me to watch out for your soul. But what I want you to see here clearly before we get any farther is, he said we're to obey those who rule over us and be submissive. Now, rule doesn't mean like, yeah, that's right, bless God, you better do whatever I tell you. The actual phrase here means they set an example. They set an example. They hold up the rule. This is the rule, like it or not. That's not a bad word. People get all nervous about, oh, we're into grace, we're not into law. Oh, let me help you. Their spiritual law is still functioning. We're not talking about Old Testament law. God's word is a law. You know why we know that? Because God said, I am the Lord. I do not change. Guess what his word doesn't do? Doesn't change. So this is an absolute, meaning that it works every time. When people say, well, I tried that. I believe God. I was in faith. It didn't work. Now, we'll forgive you for being a liar because the Bible says faith is a spiritual law. And if you truly operate under the guidelines of faith, according to the Bible, some people just don't understand faith. And it really is simple, but some who think they are really aren't. And the truth is, if you're in faith, it always works because it's a spiritual law. There's nobody in this Bible that ever exercised faith in God that didn't see it work for them. But we got to understand, again, we are to obey those who have the rule over us, meaning what? They set an example. They don't just preach this to us, they live it. Any minister who's preaching to you things that they don't live should not be preaching those things to you. They have to preach what they've lived out and proven for themselves. So clearly, this is not talking about those who rule over you and you better get submitted and do whatever they tell you. No, this is talking about you being obedient to what you clearly see they're giving to you as they've lived it out and proven it themselves. So, you know, go back to my bull riding days. I've told you this many times. I didn't have anybody that knew what they were doing that would have anything to do with me. And therefore, the only people that I could be submissive to and learn from were just as bad as me. And all they did is made me a worse bull rider. And I made them a worse bull rider because neither one of us knew what we were doing. But all of a sudden, I got hooked up to somebody who actually showed me by rule, by, by actually living out what he was teaching me that it worked. And he knew how to do it. And all I did is I simply submitted to him. I received what he said, what he told me. Guess what I did? I obeyed it. I didn't feel it all in bondage. 
I didn't feel like I was in bondage to this guy at all. You know what? I was grateful somebody was willing to tell me how to do it. I was grateful somebody was willing to come along and help me learn of my mistakes and what I was doing wrong so I could correct it and I could start being successful at what I did. You know what a pastor is? A pastor is somebody who lives out what they preach to show you how to do it so you can succeed as well. I've watched God in my life as a believer do everything this Bible says. There's nothing of what actually has happened in that Bible that I haven't seen happen in my life. I've seen a man raised from the dead. I didn't do that. God did that. I've seen people healed of terminal diseases. I've seen people set free from addictions. I've seen people born again. I've seen people filled with the Holy Spirit. I've done what Jesus said, John 14, 12. The works I do, you can do also. Why would I sit under a pastor who's never done what Jesus did? How can he teach me to do what he himself does not know how to do? That's not bragging on me. That's what he's talking about in this verse. You've got to find a leader who's applied this rule to his life and seen it work. And if you'll obey them, it's no different than me coming to a guy who knows what he's doing, and I don't, and he's simply helping me to get corrected. But isn't it amazing when it comes to spiritual matters? And God, just like that guy, was gifted to do what he did and help me. And God gifts somebody to help you to walk in what he is walking in. A lot of times people get upset and reject it and mad because they think it's bondage to obey what they're telling you. Truth is, you're not obeying them. You're obeying God. Because if they're walking out what God taught them, it's simply what God himself is trying to teach you. And a lot of people misunderstand this about submission. When we talk about submission, we're not talking about just walking in any church and the guy up in the pulpit must be the guy I'm supposed to submit to. No, I mean, you know, first of all, you better take some time to find out, is he walking with God? Take some time to find out, does he, has leader, does he have leadership over his life that he's submitted to? Because you don't want a lone gun that's not submitted to leadership. And then number three, is he truly therefore my pastor? And John 10 tells you how you know that. Because when you sit under your pastor like we did ours, Dr. Barclay, the first time you hear him, there's something different. Your spirit just knows it. I mean, there's just a connection there that you know there's something different about this person. So you got to realize you got to find the right leader. Amen? We're not just talking about any leader here, nor is God, as you're going to see. But very clearly, he tells us that a shepherd is looking out for the outcome of their flock, and that's why we're to obey them, because I have your best interest at heart. A good shepherd, one who's walking with God, they're not trying to in any way, quote unquote, get you to obey God for what they get out of it. If you think I'm doing this for what I get out of it, I'd have quit a long time ago. I'm obeying God no matter what people do, period. I'm just like Paul, man, just like Jesus. Jesus got to the end of his ministry. And the Bible says clearly that many of his disciples left him and followed him no more. So I guess he's going to quit now. He's going to give up. What does he do at the time? He turned to the 12. Who was left? 12 disciples. 12. But you know what Jesus actually told them? He told them, you going with them? No, then come on, boys, because I'm going to keep on going the direction God told me to go. I'm going to do what God told me to do. I'm going to do what God told me to do, whether you want to walk along with God or not. And that's helping you to be able to walk with God. But you got to find your shepherd. You got to find the leadership God has for you. And when you do, you're not obeying that individual. You're obeying the word of God that he has for you to walk out. And if I've proven it, guess what? That shows it does work. I, I, again, I, I started, I, when I learned all these other buddies of mine that didn't ride bulls any better than me, weren't helping me, I stopped listening to them. Best thing I could have ever done. But then you got to find somebody that knows what the heck they're doing so you can learn from them. Amen? Now back up in the same chapter, because right before he said this, you're going to see a nugget here about how we can know true godly leadership were to do this with. Look at verse 7. Remember those who rule over you. Now again, the phrase rule over you means they lead by example. If you look it up in the Greek language, that's what it says. What am I supposed to do? We've been talking this morning about remembering. Well, I'm supposed to remember those, take notice of those who lead by example, who have spoken what? The word of God to you. Who have spoken the word of God to you. Watch this. Whose faith follow considering the outcome of their conduct. So has my pastor received a healing before? Yep. Has my pastor helped others get healed before? Yep. Has my pastor led people to Jesus? Yep. Has my pastor helped people get delivered? Yep. On we go. So if I've seen that, if I watch that happen in the life of my pastor, then I clearly know he's walking by faith. I've seen the outcome of his life. I've seen proof that's true. And therefore, guess what? I'm supposed to remember that leader. 
I'm supposed to do what? I am supposed to, again, the context of the word remember there. You ready for this? The Greek word there says to listen and obey. If I'm remembering this one who's leading by example through faith, I'm to listen to them and obey what they're giving me, not from their own personal philosophy, because that certainly in some is going to walk by faith, but what God's word says. So one of the biggest reasons that a lot of Christians don't walk in the light of what their leadership is trying to help them with, I'm going to tell you why. In church, they're not listening. It begins with listening. What do you do in church? You know, this Asbury revival that broke out, I'm going to tell you why it broke out, by the way. It broke out because of repentance. It broke out because of hungry hearts that were tired of living uh, fleshly, carnal, mundane lives, and they got hungry for God, and in the midst of a, of a chapel service, a young boy at the end of the service, when they were given an opportunity to come up and repent of their lives, a young boy started it all. He wasn't afraid to walk up in front of everybody. He walked right up in front of everybody, lifted his hands to God, started repenting for his, his lukewarm uh, you know, lifestyle, being all caught up with the things of the world, etc. And lo and behold, guess what happened? Other, beep, other, other youth started coming. And they started repenting. Next, next thing you know, worship started happening. And it ain't stopped since. God showed up. Say, God showed up. Wish that would happen here. That's up to you. That's not up to me. That's up to, that wasn't up to that minister that shared the word that day. It's up to people that have a hungry heart to say, God, I want you above everything else in this life. Nothing in this life compares to you. And I believe this is a sign of the end times where God wants to begin to bring a move of his spirit. But you know where it's going to happen? Where people still teach people you can't live any way you want and walk close with God. It's not what the Bible teaches. It's not what the Bible teaches. By the way, walking close with God, he'll help you get rid of stuff that's hurting your life. But you can't willfully, you know. And so the, I bring all that up to say this. There was a young man they interviewed with one of the deans and a, a girl in an interview. They were talking about what was going on just shortly within days after it started. And this, believe it, it, it sounds kind of crazy, maybe in the sense of not like a big deal. But I'm going to tell you how big a deal this is. This young boy said, you know what? I've repented from my, my lukewarmness, my lackadaisical attitude towards God because every time I come to chapel, you know what I do during chapel? I look at my phone. I sit there in chapel while they're doing their little thing and I'm looking at my phone and I'm looking at my social media and stuff, but I'm going to tell you what, the day that God came into this room and filled this room, I haven't touched my phone for five hours straight. And I repented for God forever coming to his house. You listening? I repented for God for ever coming to his house and not giving him my full attention. See, what does it mean again to submit to leadership? I'm listening, Lord. I'm not doing something else. I'm not making my grocery list. I'm not looking to wait to get out of here. I'm watching the clock. Man, would he hurry up so we can go. Now, if that's your attitude, I'll tell you what. I'd go home, get on my face before God, and stop coming to church till you get right with God. Or get right with God. <laughs> because I will promise you, ladies and gentlemen, if you walk close with God, everything about God you want more of. Why have they not left that chapel in over a week? I'll tell you why. Because they want more of Him. Not less of Him. Are you still here? So I'm here to tell you, folks, that God Himself wants that for every believer. But you and I have to do what? We have to listen. Guess what that young man did that day? Well, that message that that minister shared... He listened, and he responded, and he went up, and he repented, and guess what? God moved in his life. And then in another one, and another one, another one, then filled the whole sanctuary with it. All he's looking for, what I love about this revival is, as we've said many times in our church, which we're, we're not for, for or, or against, and I say against, I mean, I'm kind of against it, but it's, I don't want it. Guess what is not in Asbury's chapel? There is no smoke machine. There is no dimming of lights. There is no colored lights. There is no stars. There is no professionals. There's just what? There's just a handful of young people that love God, that want to serve God and walk with God. And that's what started the revival. Amen? And I'm going to tell you, folks, if you don't understand the importance of listening to what God has to say to you in the Word, how can God then help you to draw near to Him? That young boy came because God used a messenger that day. Come on, to give a message for Him to hear. And when He obeyed and responded, now He wouldn't have listened and obeyed if He hadn't listened. Excuse me, He wouldn't have obeyed if He hadn't listened, but He listened. He listened. So the whole context of verse 7 of remembering means I listen and obey those 
who God's placed in my life to do what? To speak the Word of God into my life. Because I've watched them and I see by their faith they live the Word. They live what they teach. And one of the ways you can know that is because they preach it with conviction. So what he's telling you is you're supposed to listen to your leaders, those who practice what they preach. Those who practice what they preach. Turn to Acts 20. Acts 20. The reason you got to know who truly is your leader in context spiritually and know for sure that it's the right person is because you got to know this. They're anointed by God to help me. If that anointing phrase kind of confuses you, anointing just means God gifted them. Want to make it simpler? God gifted them. God gave them a gift to lead. God gave them a gift to help me. In Ephesians 4, we know this. Jesus gave gifts to men. What were those gifts to men? Gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. He gave some this enablement for the body, to equip the body so that they would be prepared for the work of ministry so they would no longer stay immature baby Christians. But they would mature and grow and develop and become what God wanted them to be and God would use them to help build the church. That By all of them then going and doing what they've been taught and trained, they will bring growth to the body and edify itself in love. But you can't do that without leadership in your life. Let's say, let's say at the Ephesians 4. This is not an in-depth teaching on leadership because we could go weeks on this. I'm just telling you all that you need to have fully equipped for what's ahead. You got to have leadership in your life. You got to have leadership in your life because there's going to be things that's going to come just like that word we had Wednesday night. See, there's things that, how many know that prepared some of you for what's ahead? See, by you being here listening and obeying that word and doing what he told you. Remember what he told you to do? What did he tell you to do? What did he tell you to do? There you go. Declare the blood. When you see stuff coming, what do you do? Say, uh-uh, no, 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 the blood of Jesus. Come on, the blood of Jesus has separated me from all this. The blood of Jesus has given me victory from all this. So you got to understand, I practice that in my life, and therefore you got to receive from God what God has for you to prepare you. In Acts chapter 20, this is what I want you to see. These leaders, once you find the one that God wants you connected with, are not, quote-unquote, don't misunderstand me, they're not just like all the rest of the body of Christ or what we call laity in the church. Now, I'm no more special than you. There ain't nobody special in the eyes of God. Aren't you glad God has no favorites? I said, aren't you glad? God doesn't have any favorites, but God has to give different gifts and abilities to different people because that's how he helps develop the body. Thank God that we're not all the same. Thank God we're not all pastors. Amen. Thank God we're not all evangelists. We all should do the work of an evangelist. But the point I'm trying to make is God gives different gifts so that he can do what? Strengthen the whole body. Empower the whole body. And therefore we know clearly scripture teaches that he gives some, say some, some, some to be fivefold ministry gifts. And one of those fivefold ministry gifts is the pastor. That's the one. That's the shepherd. I, I've said this many times. The Bible gives us types and shadows of how God does things all the time. And even the Bible tells you that. So when Jesus was born, what did he represent for all of humanity? Salvation. Yes. New birth. Born again. I could now be born again because the Savior's come. Amen. Who was the very first person that Gabriel went to to reveal that the birth was here? Shepherd. Shepherds. Why? Because the first thing you need after salvation is what? A shepherd. You need a shepherd that God's ordained and anointed to help empower you and help you walk out what God has for your life. But what if I'm not listening in church? You're not going to get what God has for you. What if I'm listening but I don't obey? Still won't work. Because you got to do it God's way. Amen. Acts chapter 20. I want you to notice this. In Acts chapter 20 here, Paul is talking to the leaders at Ephesus. He's on his way now to actually go back to Jerusalem. He's going to be arrested. He's been told this. And he's going to wind up. He knows this because the Lord told him, he said, you're going to go testify for me in Rome. He had had never been there yet. But you're going to go there and preach for me in Rome. He knows going to Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit's already leading him to go back there to be there before the day of Pentecost, which he's going to wind up getting arrested, which he's then going to wind up being taken to where God told him he's going to go, Rome. Now, you can say different things about maybe he could have just gone on his own, Eddie, heeded the warnings, whatever. But we believe Paul was clearly hearing from God when he went back to Jerusalem and did what he did. 
But I want to show you, as he's on his way back to Jerusalem, he then meets with the very leaders here of Ephesus. He actually meets with these uh, actual leaders at Ephesus, the actual pastors at the, in the churches of Ephesus that he started. He gives them these words. Listen to this. Verse 26. Therefore I testify to you this day, I am innocent of the blood of all men. What a statement. What a statement. Paul's an apostle. He's an apostle. He's one called by God as an apostle, to, as a forerunner, to go and birth churches and start the work of God wherever he goes. He said, I am now innocent of the blood of all men. How is it that he was innocent of the blood of all men? Verse 27, for I have not shunned to declare to you. Now, that means I have not avoided to declare to you the whole counsel of God. The phrase kind of, for us, shunned, is not really kind of a phrase that maybe a lot of people would understand. I have not avoided declaring to you the whole counsel of God. What's the first thing I'm looking in a shepherd? Somebody who teaches the whole Bible. Amen. The whole counsel of God. Not just a part of it. Right. How many know we need to know about grace? Yes. How many have been in this church and know you can't earn a single thing from God? Right. But if all we teach on is grace and not the truth... Of how to walk out your relationship with God. How are you going to walk out what God has for your life? So there's a lot of grace teachers today who don't talk about how to actually overcome and deny sin. You know the New Testament says cleanse yourself of all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Cleanse yourself. God will help you do it. But he tells you to do it. Well grace teachers won't tell you that today. Grace teachers, you know when you talk about again what, what literally the context of the Bible says about a minister teaching by example. So I'll give you an example. One of the most famous ministers in the land. Who is he? I'm not telling you. Doesn't matter who I'm talking about. It's what I'm talking about. Amen. One of the most famous ministers in the land today preaches you don't have to repent as a believer. So here's what he just said. Does anybody know what repentance means? Yes. I'm living in sin. What's repentance mean? I'm going to walk away from sin and I'm going to walk back in the way of God. Amen. What's better? Walking in sin or the way of God? Way it's not even complicated, is it? But now you got this famous minister telling people all over the world, you don't have to repent for your sin because after all, you're saved by grace. You're already forgiven. Oh my what was 1 John 1, 9 all about? Right. Talking to brethren. Yes. Brethren. Confess your sin unto God and he will be faithful to forgive you of whatever sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness, broken fellowship. So you can't walk in sin willfully and walk in close fellowship with God. It separates you from walking with God because you're going the opposite direction. Now thank God. God understands things that we battle with and we face and deal with in our life. And he'll help us to get free from them. We're talking about somebody willfully choosing to do so because they want to. Well, if you tell somebody you don't, have to you don't have to confess your sin, repent of your sin anymore, believer, because you're saved by grace, guess what they're going to keep doing? They're going to keep living in sin. Doesn't Romans 6 say, say, so since we're saved by grace, should we continue in sin? Answer? No. It tells you, certainly not. Certainly not. Because all sin's going to do is cause more harm to your life. What does sin do? Gives Satan the opportunity to rule in your life? Gives flesh the opportunity to rule in your life? What's good in the flesh? The Bible says nothing. But guess what is good in, in, in you as a believer? Your spirit. And God. God's in your spirit, man. So you've got to understand this. There's a, this famous minister says, you don't have to repent of sin. Now, he was asked by Dr. Terry Mize, who happens to be a spiritual dad to this guy. He said, so now I hear your son preaching that you don't have to repent of sin. Is that true? Dead silence. Didn't say anything. I asked you a question. You don't, you're, you're teaching people you don't have to, believers, you don't have to repent of sin. Is that true? Uh, dead silence again. I would never would have thought of this. It's kind of like Jesus stooping down, you know, you know, writing in the sand to hear from the Father what to say to those who brought the woman in adultery. Terry Myers, man, I, he, he, Holy Ghost tells I, I had to have Holy Ghost tell me this. I never thought to ask this question. Next question. What do you do when you sin, son? Right. What do you do? Good. He sat there for a long time. He said, I want to answer. What do you do? He said, I repent. said, that's not what you're teaching everybody else. Right. See, who am I supposed to have as a pastor? One who lives what they preach. They actually exercise by faith and live out what they preach according to the word of God. He said, but you repent, but you're telling everybody else not to. Why? You want to know his answer? Because once you lead people along into something new, they keep wanting more. So you have to give them something new. That's what he said. And this guy's made literally millions off of people buying his books. And I'm here to tell you folks, you better make sure they're living by example what they're teaching. 
And I would not want to follow somebody living by example that they don't repent of their sin because all it means is you're turning from it. You don't want to keep doing it. You just go in the opposite direction. That's a good thing. So Paul said, I've not shunned to do what? To declare to you the whole counsel of God. All of what Scripture teaches us now in the New Testament that he was given to by the Lord. 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves. Who's he talking to here? Shepherds. He's talking to leaders. So number one, what do I want in a shepherd? One who teaches the whole counsel of God. Number two, what do I want in a shepherd? Verse 28, one who takes heed to himself. He doesn't teach one thing and do something else. He lives by what he preaches. He takes heed to himself. He does not live in sin and tell everybody else it's not okay and or even okay. No, he does what? He takes heed to himself. He deals with himself. He lives according to the Bible. Notice again, take heed to yourself and to what? All the flock. Number three, I want a shepherd that's concerned about my outcome. I want a shepherd that's concerned about my outcome. How can you know if a shepherd is concerned about my outcome? He's not going to just tickle your ears. Because if all you do is tickle people's ears, what if they're living wrong? Their outcome will not be good. And a good shepherd tells you the whole truth. You know why? Because he loves you. Because he doesn't want to see you hurt your life. He's concerned about your outcome. I want a shepherd who's concerned about my outcome. I've now had a pastor as a pastor. I had one before that, before I started pastoring. I've now had a pastor as a pastor for over 24 years of my life, Dr. Mark Barclay. I am so grateful that I have leadership that is not afraid to tell me what the Bible says. You listening? I know for a fact many times he says stuff to me that I needed to hear, even Dr. Evans, that I need to be corrected on. And God will use those leaders to help you do what? To turn things around so you can make things better in your life, not worse. But if you don't have a minister who's going to tell you the whole counsel of God, they don't really care about your outcome. I'm going to tell you right now, any minister who won't teach you about giving doesn't care about your financial outcome. Because the Bible says you're going to reap what you sow. Remember what we looked at last Sunday morning? If you sow sparingly, New Testament. 2 Corinthians 9, you sow sparingly, you reap what? If you sow bountifully, you reap what? That context is money. You know what a lot of New Testament ministers won't tell you? They won't, they won't touch on those verses. They don't want to make you... Did anybody, feel, did anybody feel pressured to give last Sunday? All I did is told you the Bible. Told you the truth. This is what Scripture teaches. It's up to you to live it out, not for me. But you know why I teach you those things? I care about your outcome. You know why I talk about and warn about sin? You know why I talk about and warn about pulling away from God? You know why I talk about and warn about not walking in the light of what Scripture teaches? You know why I talk about belittling yourself and not doing that and saying what God says about you? You know why I do talk about grace and the goodness of God and how good God is? I'll tell you why. I care about your outcome. But a good minister cares about your outcome is going to teach you what? The whole counsel of God. They're not just going to teach you part of the Bible. Are you listening? And the truth is some people don't want to change. They want to live in their carnality. They just want to feel like they're okay with God. And that's why people come. And that's why people go. But I'm going to keep driving the bus, folks. And I'm going to take everybody with me who wants to go along on this journey that God has for us as a church. Can I get a better amen? Notice this. So one, he preaches the whole counsel. Two, he takes heed to himself. Three, he takes heed to the flock. Or in other words, cares about the flock. Now I want you to look at this. Verse 28, look very carefully. Look at this. Take heed to yourself and to all the flock among, underline this, among which the Holy Spirit, say the Holy Spirit, among which the Holy Spirit has made you what? Overseers. He's talking to all these shepherds. Notice this, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Ladies and gentlemen, you got to understand this about your pastor. When you find the pastor God has for you, he has leadership over his life that confirms he's gifted to be that pastor and be in that pulpit. Guess what? He's not somebody there by natural means. God gifted him to shepherd you. I want you to get this. God did not gift elders to counsel you. God did not gift deacons to counsel you. God did not gift, listen, God did not gift other fivefold ministry to counsel you. God gifted shepherds to counsel you. Brother Hagin one time, years ago in his ministry, I mean, oh, Kenneth Hagin, great man of God, right? Walked by faith, proved what he walked out. Brother Hagin, one time, the Lord told him, he said, I want you to start a counseling, excuse me, a, a, a prayer ministry, prayer line, where people can call in and get prayer. 
Because all you can do is just pray with them in faith and help them out for people can't get her. You could help them over the phone. So they did. Well, about a year into that, the Lord actually dealt with Brother Hagin. He said, this has gone beyond what I told you to do. You need to go check out what your people are doing on the phone. You know what they were doing? Counseling them. And the Lord Jesus himself told to Brother Hagin directly, he said, you're not anointed, Kenneth, to counsel people. You're a teacher to the body. You're not a shepherd. You're not anointed to counsel people. Now, wait a minute. I didn't say you can't give them biblical guidance or direction from the word about what the Bible says how to live their life. We're talking about personal issues. We're talking about getting into personal matters. The reason you should never go to anybody but your shepherds, I'm going to tell you why, because your shepherd ain't going to tell other people. On top of that, your shepherd is the only one anointed by the Holy Ghost to be that in your life. Read it again. Therefore, also take heed to yourselves and to the flock, watch, among whom the Holy Spirit. Take heed to your flock. Take care of your flock, shepherd, because the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer. The Holy Spirit gifted you to do this. The Holy Spirit anointed you to do this. Now, any individual that just says on his own doesn't mean that he is. I ran from wanting to do this. I didn't want to do this. This isn't what I want to do in my life. I want to be a full-time bull rider. I wanted, to, I wanted to rodeo full time. God had other plans. But I knew God began to deal with my heart. This is what I was supposed to do in my life. But then you know what God did? Confirmed it. He initially confirmed it through an apostle named Coy Huffman who led me to the Lord and birthed this church. And God used him to be able to obviously speak into my heart and confirm what I was called to do. Beyond that, I wanted to shepherd. Any pastor standing in a pulpit that's never had a pastor over their life is in violation of the word. There's no scripture in all the Bible that says because you're five-fold ministry, you don't need a shepherd. There ain't a verse in there that says that. I run across five-fold ministry people all the time. Well, I don't have a pastor. I don't need one. I got Jesus. Uh, Show me that verse, please. Show me that verse where he didn't give a shepherd to help you. I'm so glad I have one. Because not only do I help get adjustments like you do to keep me on track... But when I deal with stuff as a shepherd that he's been there, done that, and proven biblically how to do it, I go to him and get counsel from him. What do I need to do here? How do I walk this out? I want that help in my life. I'm back to the bull riding days. I don't want to hang out with a guy who doesn't know what he's doing. I want somebody to actually help me understand what I'm doing. But to do that, there's going to be correction that's going to come. Can I get a better amen? So notice again, the Holy Spirit made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Say, my shepherd's anointed. So if you know you found your shepherd, you know this. He's anointed by God to teach me the word. He's anointed by God to bring the word to me. He's anointed by God to counsel me through the word of God. Can I get a better amen? But there's no other verse in all the Bible that says anybody else is anointed to do that in your life. Now, it doesn't mean we can't help each other, those of us that know Scripture. Sure. Yeah, you're to encourage, edify, exhort one another. That's not counseling. Counseling gets into private matters. And that's not what you're supposed to be doing. By the way, you better be careful who you do go to for Bible direction because I will promise you sometimes those people, even though well-meaning, may not be telling you what the Bible actually says. They might be telling you what you want to hear. I wouldn't be drifting, as you're going to see tonight, I wouldn't be drifting out of the circle God put me in to hear, from, hear the Word of God from where I'm supposed to hear it. I, I've said it for years. I mean, take a child. You're raising up a child. Sadly, this happened in some cases, but not God's intent. You have a child. They live with one dad for two years. Then they live with another dad for two years. Then they live with another dad. When that boy turns 18, any idea what they're going to be like? I mean, one mixed up mess. Because every one of those dads is going to do something different than what they teach them. We don't need massive amounts of uh, leaders speaking to our life. We just need, as the Bible says in the book of Corinthians, a few spiritual fathers. The book of Corinthians was the most immature believers in, excuse me, the church of Corinth was the most immature believers in the Bible, according to the scriptures. And what was part of their problem? Remember what Paul said, ready? You have 10,000 instructors, but few fathers. You're listening to way too many people. You just need a few fathers. If you got a few fathers, you got what I gifted you. With You got what I gave you. Amen? Yes. Moving on. You still with me? Yes. Watch this. Verse 29. For I know this. So he tells these shepherds, you're anointed. You need to do all these things. But I know this. After my departure, Paul said, after I'm gone, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. We've had a couple. But we've run them off. People that were here for one reason. To do harm, to destroy, to try to tear down our church. But we don't allow them. We don't permit them. Verse 30, watch this. Also, so this is a different group of people. Also from among yourselves, people within the body, 
From among yourselves men will rise up. By the way, can I remind you, Paul's not speaking here. The Holy Spirit's speaking through Paul. Right. Holy Spirit inspired this to shepherds right. through the Apostle Paul. Also from among yourselves men will rise up. What will they do? Rise up. They won't be raised up. They'll rise up. Right. Speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. So in other words, they're mad now. They don't like what's being taught. They don't like what they're hearing. Time to leave. Time to go somewhere else. Guess what they're going to do? They're going to rise up and try to take people with them. The word perverse here means misleading. So how are they going to get you to follow them? They've got to tell you things that are misleading about your leadership. Isn't it interesting how many people follow somebody else out the door without ever going and talking to their pastor to find out is any of that true or not? I can't tell you people have walked out this door following somebody else who would no longer submit to the truth. And or some people will leave and obviously go because they never were connected here and weren't called to be here. How many times you heard me say in this pulpit, if I'm not your pastor, go find him. I'm not trying to force anybody to be here that's not supposed to be here. And people say, well, you just, you try to coerce people to stay here. Well, it didn't work for you. So that's true. It would be working, but I'm not. I'm just trying to help you walk out the Bible. But if I found my shepherd, guess what I got to watch for? Other people in the body that will become what? Unsettled and not walking out the truth. And they're going to rise up and go out. And guess what they're going to do? They're going to say misleading things. They don't want you thinking they're leaving for the wrong reason. I've never had anybody actually come back to me and say, you know what, Pastor? I left your church and I told everybody I was wrong. That I no longer believe the Bible and I want to do things my way and that's why I left the church. And I told everybody that before I left. Don't leave because I'm leaving. I'm leaving because I'm wrong. Pastors teaching the Bible. I just don't want to do it anymore so I'm going to go somewhere else. Nobody's ever done that. Not that I know of. Now listen, if I'm not your shepherd, go find him. But if you know in your heart this is where God called you, know I'm anointed to help you. But realize to help you as you're about to see means i got to show you stuff about your life that ain't good. Because if you're already doing everything perfect, you didn't need a shepherd. Just like me, I need a shepherd. So you got to understand this. Understand, nobody else, say nobody else. Say nobody else in the body is anointed by God to tell me how to live. Nobody else is. So why do we allow it? Why do we allow somebody else who rises up and goes out saying misleading things See, I, I agree with Pastor. How many remember during the uh, uh, time frame of the Supreme Court uh, decision over uh, Kavanaugh? I mean, all the stuff they said about him were lies. You know, that was all proven. all lies. There's a group of people came against him, didn't want him in there, didn't want a conservative judge. They got this lady. She later admitted, she admitted, she actually admitted publicly. I did it because they paid me money to say this about him because they knew I knew him. In college, and so she said all these things about him to simply try to get him not get him in a position where he could not be uh, put in as a judge. But you know what Kavanaugh got to do in front of that whole whole the whole world and all that council? He got to defend himself. He got to sit, he got to sit there in front of all of them and say, "This is a lie. This is not true." Let me tell you what my life was all about. Da, 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 da. You know what pastors don't get to do, and I don't care. I'm not going to do it. But you know what we don't get to do? We don't get to defend ourselves. And I'm not here to defend myself. We don't get to stand up because we're not going to go against anybody leaving and say, let me tell you why they left. I don't do that. I don't do that. You got to be smart enough to know if I'm called to this shepherd, he's anointed to be my shepherd. Anybody else rising up and going out who's saying misleading things are not anointed to tell me how to live my life and what I should be doing. What if something's wrong? Come to me. I'll let you call my pastor. I'll let you contact him through his office. I've said it for years. It's amazing. In 24 years, I've had Dr. Barclay in my life. Of all the things that I've been accused of, that I've done wrong, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that really has not come down to much of any actual knowledge of anything wrong. Well, you, I, I had a group leave one time and said, well, we're just leaving. Why? Because you're just doing, thing wrong, uh, doing things wrong. Like what? Well, it's hard to describe. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm doing things wrong, but you can't describe. Well, it's just difficult to put in words. Then how do I know what I'm doing wrong? Which, by the way, I'm not submitting to you. If you got a problem, you can call my pastor. I got no problem you call my pastor. If you can come to my pastor proving that what I'm doing is heresy and misleading people and taking them into darkness and not into the light and not helping them walk with Jesus, hey, call my pastor. Call him. I'm not joking, folks. That's why I have a leader in my life. 
But I fear God enough to know that I would have to stand that scrutiny not only before my pastor, but before Jesus Christ. Amen. So you got to understand this. Very clear, Paul said these people are going to rise up and speak perverse things to draw disciples. People that were once disciples in that church to draw them away, to follow after them. Why? They got to prove that what they're doing is okay. They got to try to justify them, their, their own reason for leaving. Nobody leaves feeling like they've done wrong. Everybody feels, leaves that they feel like they're doing right, so they got to justify themselves for leaving. Now, wait a minute. Don't, don't, don't say, well, so now if I leave, you're going to think I didn't. No, if you've never been connected to me and I'm not your shepherd and you know I'm not that shepherd, you know what? Just tell me, Pastor, I, I, I appreciate your ministry, or if you don't even appreciate it, just say you hate it, whatever. I don't care. won't bother me. I just know I'm not connected to you as a shepherd, and I'm going to find them. Great. Praise God. Let me pray for you to go find that shepherd. I've never had very many people do that, though. Now, I've had a handful. And I said, you know, I've known since you've been here. I've known that. I've been praying for you. I've been believing God. God's going to show you that. I don't want anybody here God doesn't want. If you're not supposed to be here, you're just going to cause problems. <clears throat> right? You're not going to be a help. You're going to be a hindrance. I, want, I pray all the time. My prayer weekly, God, you bring to this church those you want connected with me. Those you don't, you keep away. I don't want them. I don't want people you didn't call here. All they're going to do is cause problems. So understand this clearly. You got to watch this. Verse 31. Therefore, shepherds, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So let me cover this again real quick. What am I looking for in a shepherd? First of all, you got to know you're called to him. But what am I looking for in a shepherd? Number one, he's not going to avoid declaring the whole counsel of God. He's going to tell me the whole counsel. He's not afraid to tell me the Bible. He's not afraid to preach the word. He's not afraid if I get offended. Every time you get offended when the word's preached, that's a, that's a good sign if you take it as a good sign to say, here's an opportunity. Here's an opportunity to correct something I'm doing wrong and fix it and make it right. Because the part that you as offended is not your spirit, man. If it's the Bible, I'll tell you what's offended. Your flesh is. So number one, I want a pastor that preaches the whole council. Number two, that pastor has to take heed to himself. He can't teach one thing and live another. Now listen, if I tell you that I'm supposed to stay in the Word of God in prayer and I'm on the golf course every day, I use that as an example because you know the memes everybody says, you know what everybody thinks a pastor does. Ask Kathy what I do. She's here week in and week out. Ask Kathy what I do. I'm not on a golf course. Things I used to do and enjoy, I don't even do anymore. I don't even go to car shows anymore. I don't have time. I got too much to do. I got so much on my heart that I want to do, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not at all depressed about it. Or, are you kidding me? I'm so excited to get to do what God called me to do. I'm rising up further into my call as a, a call of God on my life, confirmed by my pastor as a leader to leaders. I'm starting a group called the Fivefold Ministry to teach these ministers in foreign lands what Fivefold Ministry is all about. That you don't have to look to America as your source and supply. God is your source and supply. Teach the Bible to your people and you'll watch God flourish your people. Do what Scripture says. I got so much to do right now. I have two books on the burner right now in my heart. One I'm working on. Another one I still want to get to. I also have an entire discipleship uh, uh, series I want to put together online for people to learn how to become a disciple of Jesus. I got so much to do. I don't have time to do it all. So I don't have time to go do extracurricular activities. I'm going to come back and rule and reign with you for a thousand years. What do you want to do? You have a thousand years to do it. This is the one chance I get like me and you to win everybody I can to Jesus, help everybody I can walk with God. So I tell people all the time, you got to understand, first and foremost, a pastor has to be somebody who not only takes heed to himself and does the work of God, but number three, he also does what? He takes heed to the flock. What's that mean? I care about your outcome. If I didn't care about your outcome, I wouldn't tell you the whole Bible. Any minister that's afraid to teach you the whole Bible doesn't care about your outcome. They really don't. They care about their income. Go to 2 Timothy 4. If you don't believe that, hang around here for a while. Listen to what we preach. Now listen. Let me say, everybody say balance. Balance. Turn to 2 Timothy 4. You got to have balance. You got to understand, you should not sit in a church where all they do is make you feel like a nobody and a nothing. How many of you know we teach you not to do that here? Because you are somebody. You're somebody very special. You're a child of God. Can I get a better amen? Amen. John Osteen, not Joel, John Osteen, our pastor's pastor for 27 years. His closest spiritual daddy ever had. John Osteen had a powerful saying, so true. He said, why can't ministers just stay down the middle of the road? 
Why? Why do we always do these pendulum swings? We go to the extreme of a religious life or the extreme of a free grace life and we don't just walk down the middle of the road. What the Bible teaches, the truth. There are things we got to live out if we want to walk in the light of what God has for us and protect our life. But thank God we don't earn anything from God by doing that. God gave me a statement years ago. Never forget it. You ready? You're not earning anything from God by, by walking in the Bible. You're learning how to get it. Did you get that? You're not earning anything from God. To learn how to walk by faith, you're not earning nothing from God. You don't learn how to get it. Because how do you receive from God? You do it by faith. Everything God, how do you get salvation? By faith. Come on, somebody. How do you walk in the gifts of the Spirit? By faith. How do you let God use you supernaturally? By faith. But if, if somebody doesn't teach you how to learn how to do that, you can't walk in what God has. You're not earning it. You're learning how to get it. Your inheritance is already laid up. You got to learn how to lay hold of it. Any good amens on that? Second Timothy chapter 4. If you're there with me, say amen. So here's what I'm looking for in a pastor. Here's what I'm looking for in a pastor. Second Timothy 4 1. Now, Timothy was a pastor. Paul's preaching to him here, sharing a letter with him here, and obviously telling him, him as a young pastor what he's called to do. Verse 1 I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, excuse me, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Who will he judge? That's you. Living is you. If you're born again, you're alive. And the dead, spiritually dead, they're all going to get judged. There's two judgments. Come, I've taught you this many times. Judgment seat of Christ. Say, I'm going to that one. You want to be there. You want to be there for that one because that's what every believer is going to. You may not like it, but you're going to be judged for what you did on the earth. Thus saith the book of, of, of Corinthians. All New Testament scriptures teach you that. But the judgment seat of Christ is the one you want to go to. The great white throne judgment, that's for the dead. You don't want to go to that one. Verse 2, watch this. You ready? All right, all right, pastor, preach the word. Underline those three words, please. Do what? Preach the word. Don't preach philosophy. Don't preach your ideology. Don't preach what you think the Bible may say. If you haven't proved it, don't preach it. The greatest lesson I've ever learned from any spiritual dad I've had, stop preaching anything as a young pastor. Stop preaching anything you haven't proven yet. Learn it, go live it, prove it, and then preach it to your people. And you'll help your people. John Osteen used to teach all young ministers that. Go live what the Bible teaches, prove it, and then preach it, and you'll help others walk it out. That's preaching the Word. So I don't just preach about the Word. I preach what I live. But I'm only supposed to preach what? The Word. Not my opinion. My opinion doesn't matter. Well, I don't see it that way. Your opinion doesn't matter. What's black and white in the Bible is black and white. There are things black and white in the Bible. What's gray, we shouldn't try to get into our opinion about if it's not specifically, obviously nailed down in Scripture, we shouldn't be trying to figure out on our own what it means or what it says because God clearly didn't want us to know. But we got everything we need to know. Preach the Word, Pastor. Be what? Ready in season and out of season. What do you mean in season and out of season? Whether they want to hear it or not. In season would mean everybody wants to hear it, man. Out of season, they really don't want to hear it. Doesn't matter. Whether they, that phrase means whether they want to hear it or not, you preach the word. Watch this. You ready? Three things. Convince, rebuke, exhort. What is a pastor also supposed to do? Convince, rebuke, and exhort. What if a pastor doesn't do that? He's not a pastor. And or he's not obeying the word. See, I know some people in the pulpits, some of the most famous in America that people just love listening to. They would never rebuke you for anything in the world. You're not fulfilling the role of a pastor. I just read it to you. Pastor Timothy, convince, rebuke, exhort. How, how am I supposed to do this? With all long-suffering and teaching. You know what? Suffer long, pastor, because people aren't always going to get it the first time, the 50th time, or the 100th time. Just keep telling them. I love what John Osteen taught our pastor. The power of pastoring is repetition. Verse 3, for the time will come. Say, we're there. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They won't put up with. They cannot stomach true, sound, Bible, solid teaching. Why? They don't want to live that way. They don't want to do what it says. Notice this, because according to their own desires, their own desires, not God's. According to their own desires, they have itching ears. What are they going to do? They're going to find people to tickle them. 
They're going to heap up for themselves teachers. Four, they will turn their ears away from the truth, sadly. And they'll be turned aside to what? Fables. Fables means what they think the Word says, not what sound doctrine teaches. In other words, it's fiction. It's not true. I heard a gal the other day, craziest thing I've ever heard. Craziest thing I've ever heard. She's not, she not, she not a minister, just a believer. Just a believer. She compared divorce to being the same as the Sabbath. I'm like, what? She said, listen, divorce is like the Sabbath. The Sabbath wasn't made for, excuse me. Yeah, the Sabbath was, the, uh, man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath was made so man could have a day of rest. Just like divorce. Divorce wasn't made, uh, man wasn't made for divorce. Divorce was made for man. God didn't make divorce, folks. And sad to say, uh, people go through it, but I'm not belittling that in any way. It's horrible. It's a, it's a tough thing to go through. But to turn around and say it's like the Sabbath is an absolute joke. You're belittling something that God considers very holy and very sacred. If you've had to go through it, put it behind you. Thank God you can move on. And you can obviously walk out what God has for your future. But the whole point I'm making is you're belittling a marriage covenant saying it's like the Sabbath. really doesn't matter if you uphold it or not. Oh, it does to God. If you do it biblically and do it right. Now, it takes two people to do that. We understand. I'm not faulting anybody through, who, who's been through divorce. Kathy went through one in her earlier years. So I'm not faulting you in any way. I'm just telling you, you've got to understand that people are going to take the Scriptures to, to tickle their ears to say what they want them to say. Because of their situation. How many understand this? If you receive truth from God, how many know this? If you receive truth from God, it ain't always going to be fun to hear. It's going to be corrective at times in its forms. Watch this. I want you, I want to walk to these with you real quick because I'm about out of time. All right. So here are four things that Paul just told Timothy a minister of God needs to do as well. Number one, he's to simply preach what? The word. Stick to the word. Can you honestly say, in the context of hearing a shepherd, of what you actually say as your shepherd, that he is teaching anything other than the word? If so, you ought to, then he needs to be corrected. But if he's teaching the word, what the Bible says, you ought to be grateful somebody does. Amen. Number two, what's the second thing he's supposed to do? He's supposed to do what? He convinces. He's to convince. He's to rebuke. He's to exhort. What's convince mean? You ready? Preach with conviction. To convince there, he's to convince you how? Preaching through conviction. How do you preach with conviction? You can't preach what you haven't lived. Right. You know what they said about Jesus? He preaches as one, in the context of the Greek language, he preaches like one who is convicted about what he's saying. Yeah, because he lived what he preached. Amen. Different than the Pharisees, right. who didn't live what they preached. Right. Said one thing, did something else. Right. So a pastor has to preach with what? Conviction. Preaching with conviction means they live it. Number, notice this next thing, uh, context. One, he preaches the word. Two, he preaches with conviction. Three, he rebukes. Now, the Amplified, who actually, that actually brings out the original Greek wording here. What does rebuke mean? You ready for this? To show you in what way your life is wrong. Have you perfected everything in your life yet? Oh, are you still doing some things? Probably need to be corrected. Guess what a pastor is supposed to do when he gets up and preaches the word? Show you that's wrong. Don't do that this way. I'll call you out by name. Right. You listening? Amen. I don't call you out by name. Okay, Gopi, listen up. This is for you today. <laughs> Get a hold of this verse right here. It's just for you. Nobody else is talking to Gopi right now. We're just going to rebuke Gopi right now. No. God, God will show you what way your life is wrong if you're listening. Come on, if you're listening, don't get mad because the minister simply is the messenger. You want to get mad, which I wouldn't encourage it. You get mad at God because it's his word, but that ain't a good idea. He's just the messenger. Have you ever heard the phrase, don't shoot the messenger? Everybody does because I'm the one you can see. So again, to rebuke means to show you what way your life is wrong. If he doesn't do that, then how can you walk out what God has for your life? Fourth thing, he exhorts. He does what? He exhorts. This means to urge you to pursue a proper course of conduct. Look it up for yourself. The word exhort there means to urge you to pursue... A proper course of conduct. What is a pastor trying to do? Urging you to pursue a proper course of conduct for your life so you can walk out what God has. That's what a pastor must do. He convicts, preaches with conviction because he lives it. He rebukes, he'll reveal through the word of God sometimes in areas of your life what you're not doing right because not all of us are. Right. 
And we all still need adjustments and corrections. And number three, he's also going to do what? He's going to also exhort. In other words, he's going to truly try to get you to go down the pathway God wants you to go through the preaching of the word. Trying to get you to go walk in the light of what God has for you. Urging you to pursue this proper course of conduct. God's anointed your shepherd to help you. In these things. God, it doesn't mean as a believer we can't not help each other. But I'm going to tell you right now. Stop allowing other believers to speak into your life what they're telling you you should do with your life as it relates to what you do as a believer apart from what your pastor says. Amen. Now, if they're in your church and they've heard what your pastor has taught and they obviously can help you understand it better as well, sure they can help you. But I'm talking about those who rise up. And they simply want to mislead people another direction because they themselves don't like what's being taught anymore because they don't want to do it. Our pastor's taught it for years. If you are actually connected with the pastor you're supposed to be with, there's two ways you leave a church. Because if you're connected with the pastor God called you to, now some's still trying to find them. So sometimes, I'm not talking about leaving a church that you weren't connected with that pastor. I'm not about knowing this is my shepherd. So once you know you found your shepherd, there's only two reasons to ever leave that church. Excuse me, there's only... I'm sorry, only one reason to ever leave that church. You're raised up by that pastor and sent out. But he said those in this context in the book of Acts, they did what? They rose up. They, they themselves rose up. They weren't raised up. They rose up and left. You got to watch people that do that. Especially trying to mislead other people to follow you astray. Well, what does this have to do with being equipped uh, for what's ahead, Pastor? Because if you don't have spiritual leadership in your life to speak to you the things of God, God knows you need to hear, how are you going to be equipped for what's coming down the road? You're not going to be ready. But if you listen, stay submitted to godly leadership, knowing who God called you to. I've said it for years, I'm going to say it again. You're not submitted to me, a man. You're submitted to God and His Word and what God teaches you. Don't ever submit to a man. It's not about submission to a man. I've said it, and this is the key. What is a submission to, Pastor? It's a submission to a gift. God put a gift on that pastor of mine with the Holy Spirit. I'm submitting to that gift of that pastor to help me so I can walk in what God has for my life. Now, I'll close with this. In Acts chapter 27, Paul has now been arrested. He's going to show you this, but I'm out of time. Paul's been arrested. He's on the way to Rome. And as he's been arrested, he's with the centurion and other uh, slaves as they're taking him to Rome. How many remember they actually get into this one port where the weather obviously still looks nice, but Paul gets a word from God. Paul says, don't leave this port because if you do, it could actually cause suffering much loss, even the loss of our lives. But you know what the people did? They went with what the others said. You listening? They went with what the others said. Instead of listening to Paul, man of God, they went with what the others said. Guess what happened? They suffered loss. Can I help you? Save yourself from suffering loss. Listen to your leadership. They're trying to help spare your life. They're trying to help spare your marriage. They're trying to help spare your kids. They're trying to help spare your finances, your health, all that God has for your life. If you just simply listen to what they're saying biblically and apply it to your life, you're not obeying your pastor. You're obeying the Word of God. The Word of God always works. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.